of the Chief Zone podcast. Yes, it is the last breakdown of the season. Win or lose. Win or lose. It's the last breakdown of the season. We can say that for a fact. Very excited to do this one here. Uh, hey, big shout outs to, uh, to all of you guys. Uh, this has been a fun season uh, to talk about win or lose. Uh, the product on the field has not always been fun, but uh, doing this podcast, bringing it back this season, and I had no idea it would pick up the way it did, especially after um, uh, essentially deactivating it three years ago. And for people to be excited for it to come back, obviously a lot of new people who never listened to this podcast in the past, uh, obviously a very exciting season. So thank you guys for that. Uh, very, very fun, uh, exciting times uh, doing this podcast. Win or lose. Uh, listen, I still remember uh, we started this podcast in 2007. And I'll never forget. Uh, <laughs> I'll never forget those years. Um, I, I, I still remember the first year we got to do a podcast when the Chiefs won the AFC West and how excited I was about that. Now we're doing podcasts about the Super Bowl. So... This is uh, this is definitely uh, uh, times have changed. What's that meme? I used to pray for times like this. Yeah, that's essentially uh, how I felt at that time. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, very excited uh, for this episode of the Chief Zone podcast. A lot of things to get into here. Got some roster news that just broke about an hour, less than an hour ago, officially. So we will touch on that and some injury updates regarding a couple of players and their status for Super Bowl Sunday. I also wanted to touch on the whole Super Bowl, Super Bowl media palooza, if you will. Some positives, some negatives. Um, this is probably the weirdest year for the Chiefs when it comes to the Super Bowl media. Eric Bieniemy actually came back to the Chiefs when we did not know it. Uh, it was temporary, but did come back uh, to talk to the team. Uh, I'll touch on that as well. And of course, we'll break down the game between the Chiefs and the 49ers. I will give you my score for this game, and I'll give you my top three choices for MVP and who I think is going to be the MVP in this football game. I'm very excited, uh, obviously. I saw a couple of you guys in the comments already. Appreciate you guys uh, here. Jim mentioned anxious. Yeah. Yeah, Bob says good time to be a Chiefs fan. This is the golden era of Chiefs football right now, 100%. Um, yeah, I mean, the, uh, the, the week is going by so slow for a lot of people. I get it. Everyone feels that way. But uh, nonetheless, uh, it is uh, definitely an exciting time. Let me just... Um, let me just start by uh, bringing this up here because I think you listen, I, I was guilty of doubting this football team. Um, I had a lot of question marks about this football team. We had Jason Dunn on the podcast last night and he even admitted he was very skeptical about this team, especially with the, with the coaching staff and whatnot. Uh, but ultimately I think me personally, and I can't speak for every single Chiefs fan. I know there were some Chiefs fans that weren't sure, and I you know, can't really blame them because the Chiefs didn't give us a lot of reasons. Um, but see, Brian says the haters love the haters. Uh, yeah, I mean, they were uh, they were listen, there were a lot of people that were very adamant that the Chiefs would be one and done. Um, did they look like a one and done team after the Raiders lost? Yeah, probably did. 
Uh, did they look like that from what we saw in the second half of, in that Philadelphia Monday Night Football game? Yeah, for sure. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, this is this is a football team that just doesn't quit. Just doesn't quit. Here's what I learned. And I know a lot of people have um, strong opinions about some people in the national media. I know a lot of people have uh, opinions about a guy like Colin Cowherd. But do you know what Colin Cowherd said? And I, I can't remember if this was before or after the loss to Buffalo. Um, somewhere around that time. But he mentioned that dynasties are not perfect. He actually compared this Chiefs team to the 2014 and the 2017 Patriots teams, which, by the way, what happened to those two Patriots teams? They went on to win the Super Bowl. They both had embarrassing losses to the Chiefs that year. Blowout losses. Um, the 2014 one was in week four when the Chiefs broke the uh, sound record for um, uh, loudest stadium in the NFL. And then in 2017, week one, the first game to open up the 2017 NFL season. Colin Cowherd also compared this Chiefs team to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers team when Brady uh, played uh, his first season there. Guess what? That team also won the Super Bowl. What is What do all four of those teams have in common? The 2014 Patriots, the 2017 Patriots, the 2021 Bucks, and the 2023 uh, Chiefs. Well, all of them, I, I mean, they were inconsistent. There were times where they were written off by a lot of people. Remember when the Chiefs destroyed the Patriots on Monday Night Football? Every single person wrote them off. People in my, uh, in the New England area, they were demanding for the franchise to move on from Belichick and Brady. Their own fan base wrote off the uh, the GOATs. So to me, I think a lot of people just tend to forget, and this is kind of what I've learned now with this football team, is... Dynasties are not perfect. They're just not perfect. You want to go undefeated, go uh, 19 and 0, 20 and 0 now because of uh, because of the extra game we have. Well, it's just not doable. Listen, I, I know we all love Nick Wright, but picking the Chiefs to go undefeated was just silly. And unfortunately for Nick Wright, that backfired real fast. The very first game of the NFL season. I still remember in 2017 when the Chiefs went to visit the Patriots for week one. A lot of people picked the Patriots to go 16-0. And guess what? The Chiefs took a shit on that prediction in the very first game of the NFL season. So I think the point I'm trying to make here is dynasties are not perfect. And guess what? This Chiefs team started 1-5 in 2015. Now, they were not a dynasty at the time. Alex Smith was the quarterback. But it doesn't change the fact that they started off terribly. They had a 1.4% chance of making the playoffs that year. And guess what? They still found a way to bounce back. They pretty much went undefeated the rest of the regular season and then into the playoffs, continuing that winning streak. Um, you look at, um, I mean, you look at 20, what was it? 2019, uh, chiefs had kind of a rough stretch at one point and they went on to win the super bowl that year. Uh, 2021 was kind of a wild start for the chiefs. They were three and four. Mahomes led the NFL in interceptions. Tyree kill and Travis Kelsey were among the top five in drops that year. And nobody thought they'd be able to bounce back. And guess what? It still was not perfect in that eight game winning streak, but they gradually got back into the swing of things. And they eventually got that. I think they were the number one seed that year, 2021. No, they were number two, because I think it was 
Tennessee, who was number one, and Cincinnati went and upset them, and Cincinnati also uh, came to Kansas City and won that football game. Uh, but still, nobody thought the Chiefs were going to get to that point even. And then look at this year, the drops. Uh, pretty much at a rate with the uh, winless Cleveland Browns. Uh, from that team, this Chiefs team had a drop rate very similar to a winless football team. So think about this. The amount of drops the Cleveland Browns had when they went 0-16 and the Chiefs, who are in the Super Bowl, we just saw we, we just saw the uh, the similarities there. But one massive difference is you had the Chiefs go to the Super Bowl. We, we, we don't know exactly the outcome of that yet. And the Browns didn't win a single game that year. I think with Andy Reid as the head coach... And look, I think with what Andy Reid's done in his history and the trust that everybody has with him, um, this team just kept fighting. Patrick Mahomes, same thing. Travis Kelsey, a, a guy who will go to war for his teammates. You even, I, I'm sure you guys all heard um, in the uh, New Heights podcast whenever um, the Chiefs uh, were coming off that Buffalo win, what did Travis Kelsey do? He took all of the blame for the McCole Hardman fumble, which a lot of people disagree with, but that's just the kind of guy Travis Kelsey is. Um, even Canarius Tony and his struggles. Travis Kelsey continued to defend him, defended Marquez Valdez-Scantling. You know who else has been defending all of their teammates throughout all the struggles this year? Patrick Mahomes. Man, what did Patrick Mahomes say after uh, MVS dropped that touchdown pass? He said, nah, I could have uh, I could have thrown a better pass. He kept saying the same thing when his receivers let him down. He said, I could have... Uh, I could have thrown a better football. So instead of, you know, not that anyone would ever bash their teammates publicly, but you would, I mean, players would try to, you know, what am I trying to try to at least be kind about it publicly. Mahomes didn't even go that route. Mahomes took the blame for everything. And that made the entire team, specifically the wide receivers, want to fight for him. That is insane I mean th th this is where this football team is and a lot of people kept talking about when are the Chiefs going to flip the switch we just kept waiting when when, when is it going to happen we know they have the talent on this football team when when will it happen well it took a very long time but they started on New Year's Eve that is when it all started and that carried over into the playoffs and they were in the Super Bowl I don't know how many people outside of Kansas City thought this football team was going to make it to this point. Probably very few, but they're here. They are here. Uh, this is the maybe the worst Chiefs team that we've had since Patrick Mahomes got here. And this team made it to the Super Bowl. Think about this. In all of the six years, Patrick Mahomes, and I mentioned this after the Chiefs beat the Bills, um, all six seasons with Mahomes, you have reached at the very least the AFC championship game. The, the things this you're doing with this football team. I, I mean, the in Patrick's first year as a starter, third highest scoring output in NFL history. And last year, a rebuilding year, because Tyreek Hill was no longer on the team, Mahomes damn near. Uh, wins the MVP award unanimously. 
So this football team, you know, all the things that they have done and the defense, the things that the defense is doing this year, they're, um, they're definitely uh, doing a lot of things that we haven't seen before. That's unfortunate because you know, if you had this defense in the 2018 offense, boy, I mean, you probably go undefeated. I mean, I don't know. It's a very difficult thing to do. But again, this whole thing with dynasties, everyone talked about how it's hard to host the AFC championship game five years in a row. It's not easy. If it was easy, you would see a lot of people doing that by now. I think the Chiefs had already broken that record when they had it four years in a row at home. I know the obviously the Bills went to four straight Super Bowls, so obviously four straight AFC title games there, but I don't think they hosted uh, every single time. And the Chiefs didn't host it this year, and guess what? They had to go on their own. No, folks. Patrick Mahomes has to go on the road in the playoffs. Well, guess what? He won in Buffalo. He won in Baltimore. And the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl. Whatever obstacle you want to throw at this football team, all the adversity this team has had to go through and deal with, they've always come out on the other side of it on top. And Patrick Mahomes did an interview on Sirius XM NFL radio and he was asked about this whole thing with this, this, this run that they're in and, and the amount of success this team has had. And he made a very interesting comment saying that you never know if this is going to be your last one. And you've always got to enjoy the process. Andy Reid keeps getting asked um, about, you know, whether or not if he thinks, you know, he's the best coach of all time. If this is a dynasty, uh, Travis Kelsey getting asked if he's the best uh, tight end of all time. And they keep deflecting these questions because th this is not their concern right now. Their concern right now is this game on Sunday. And I love those answers because it shows you how focused they are and not getting caught up in the media. Listen, all, all the goats, you hear this a lot in basketball. Who's the best? MJ, um, uh, LeBron, Kobe. Like you get this conversation a lot in that sport. Um, and you know, you had it a lot between MJ and Kobe, although a lot of people thought it was Kobe, uh, I'm sorry, MJ, but you still had some people make a case for Kobe. Well, now with LeBron and everything he's done now, now that he's played more seasons, he has entered the goat talk and that has kind of heated up. Uh, me personally, I still think it's MJ, but not to get into that. That's not what this podcast is about. My point here is, is that, um, even though the chiefs do have players that are in the goat talk, um, with Mahomes and Kelsey and Andy Reid as, as a head coach, they're not focused on that right now. So I, I liked all the answers. Obviously, you know, the PR staff has helped them out with that, and, and rightfully so. I think a lot of that stuff is, you know, something that fans and the media love to discuss because it, it always generates uh, attention. If I, you know, wanted to put a post right now, who is the greatest tight end in NFL history? Well, a lot of you guys would say Kelsey. Uh, but I'm sure there are a lot of people outside of Kansas City that would want to join in on that conversation. So because it is a big conversation, we've been having this conversation for more than a year now with Travis Kelsey. Um, I saw Shannon Sharp. He was on Pat McAfee's show. He said Kelsey's the GOAT. Gonzalez has been saying it. Rob Gronkowski specifically said Kelsey's the best pass catching tight end. So I guess, you know, overall, he's not giving it to Kelsey, but he kind of is in, in a way. So um you're getting all of these things right now with the with this football team, but the Chiefs very focused on the task at hand, and that is good to see because that is what the team should be doing. Real quickly, before we move forward, 
want to let you know this podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek. If you want to go to Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas and spend thousands of bucks and potentially save $20, if you're a first-time customer, you can use my promo code Farzine and you will save $20 off your first purchase from SeatGeek. Go to SeatGeek.com. You want to go to the Super Bowl. You want to go to a KU basketball game, K-State, Mizzou. Uh, you want to get ready for Royals baseball. I got my Royals tickets already. Uh, if you're a first-time customer of SeatGeek, go to SeatGeek.com, pick your tickets, and use my promo code Farzine, and you'll save $20 off your first purchase. Let's talk about this Chiefs defense for a moment because I think we spent a lot of time talking about the offense and what they've uh, overcome. And I've seen a lot of people in the chat talk about Christian McCaffrey. Well, let's get into that because what's been what has been going on with the um, with the Chiefs defense? Well, they've gone up against a lot of great offensive players this year. This Chiefs defense, all the stats you're seeing about how they're the second best in total defense, second best in points allowed per game. I mean, th- those are no misleading stats right there. Um, they have definitely, they have definitely, uh, been, um, earning, uh, all of those uh, stats there, by the way, the chiefs just put out a tweet that Jarek McKinnon was limited in practice today. So this is Jarek McKinnon's first time practicing since, um, the week they were preparing for the new England Patriots. I believe that was on the 17th of December. So he was limited in practice today and Joe Tooney did not practice. Um, in fact, real quickly, I, I think I'll just go over this real quickly. So Sky Moore was activated from uh, IR today. He is uh, on the 53-man roster. Now he's replacing Charles Aminahu on the 53-man roster. Um, Joe Tooney did not practice today. Andy Reid did say that Jarek McKinnon playing um, would be slim, but Starting off practicing is um, certainly a good start. So if Jarek McKinnon is able to go on Sunday, he'll probably take Joe Tooney's spot on the roster for the final game of the regular season. So um, just something to uh, to be aware of as the Chiefs uh, had their uh, first full practice of the week getting ready for the 49ers uh, on Sunday. Uh, I'm trying to pull up the list here. So here are the list of players the Chiefs have gone up against. Amon Ross St. Brown, a lot of great pass catchers. Amon Ross St. Brown, Christian Kirk, DJ Moore, Justin Jefferson, TJ Hawkinson, tight end, Keenan Allen twice this year, or just once, I think. Uh, Tyreek Hill, they've gone up against him twice this year. AJ Brown, um, Devontae Smith, Devontae Adams twice, Jamar Chase. Um, the, the Chiefs have gone up against a lot of great wide receivers this season and, and t- tight ends. So how well this defense has played certainly should not be lost on anybody. And then you look at the playoff run. They played against Miami. Yeah, Miami was banged up on defense, and a lot of people love to talk about that, but Miami had all their players on offense. Remember when the Chiefs lost to the Broncos and they were getting ready for the Miami game in uh, in Germany? A lot of people kept pointing out, well, the Chiefs lost to the Broncos, and the Broncos allowed 70 recently at the time to Miami. Well, what happened? Uh, they couldn't even score... Uh, more than 14 points against the Chiefs. And I one of those touchdowns was kind of a gift from Chris Jones uh, doing what he did the year before uh, against Indianapolis, where he uh, got an unsportsmanlike penalty after a third down stop. So, um, and you saw it, and I think that's kind of a fair reflection of what you saw in the playoffs when Miami only had one touchdown in this game, and that was a Tyreek Hill on a play where Trent McDuffie just got lost 
and he was trying to interfere with Tyreek to at least prevent a touchdown, and he failed at that. But what did Trent McDuffie do after that? Played aggressive football on a fourth down pass to Tyreek Hill, which hit his hands. McDuffie goes in there and breaks up that pass. So McDuffie made up for that mistake anyway. And he's been playing great all year. Uh, then you beat Miami. Well, who do you play the following week? Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills on the road, mind you. And Josh Allen had been playing great for the Bills during their surge, and the Chiefs put an end to that. Well, who did the Chiefs play the week after that? Lamar Jackson, who is set to earn his second MVP officially tomorrow night. And the Chiefs didn't allow any any big uh, plays outside of that one touchdown play to Zay Flowers. Um, yeah, Baltimore did move the ball better in the second half, but they couldn't get a touchdown there. Uh, Legereus need making up for that big catch allowed clutch, forcing that fumble from Zay Flowers, um, which according to the conspiracy theorists, uh, the referees and Taylor Swift made Zay Flowers fumble that football. Um, what do you know? So you've gone up against, you know, Josh Allen and that that mighty team, Miami Dolphins and everything they have offensively. And by the way, one thing about the Josh Allen uh, Bills game, they did not have an offensive play more than 18 yards. No big plays in that football game. None. Uh, Lamar Jackson, MVP, held him in check. And now you're facing a very loaded 49ers offense, the most loaded uh, I mean, the offense that has the most depth that you will face all year on both sides of the football, offense and defense. But we're just talking about the Chiefs defense right now. And you look at Christian McCaffrey, the things that he has done this year, um, the yardage, uh, more than 1,400 yards, uh, by far the leader in uh, rushing yards this season. Uh, and then you look at um, the fact that he scored in every game except for three games this year. Definitely going to be the best player the Chiefs will have faced. Yes, Lamar Jackson was the MVP this season, but I do think Christian McCaffrey is the best player who the Chiefs are going to be going up against this season. This is just another test for Kansas City's defense. Has the Chiefs defense, the, the Chiefs defense, the big weakness, uh, well, two of them, I would say. Um, the biggest one is they don't do a great job of stopping the run. They're not terrible at it. That's just, you know, if you want to nitpick, that's just the first thing you can really go to if you want to talk about a weakness. The other thing is that they don't force a lot of turnovers. They changed that last week when they got three against the Ravens. And I did not bother looking this up, and I should have, but I think that's the most they've had in a game this season. Three takeaways. Uh, which is huge. So you have that to uh, to just keep in mind there. Be aware of one thing. This Chiefs defense, you know, I mentioned all the talent they've gone up against this year. They have not surrendered more than 27 points in a game this year. I think the only times they've allowed 20, um, more than 20, uh, week one comes to mind right away against the Lions. The Packers game where they allowed 27 points and the Bills game where they allowed 24. What am I forgetting? Am I, am I forgetting any others right there? I, and I want to look this up just to be, just to be, uh, oh, yeah, the Eagles game, uh, the Broncos game. Yeah, they allowed 24 against Denver. It doesn't help that Kansas City committed five turnovers on offense and special teams. Uh, Philadelphia scored 21. Green Bay scored 27. 
nobody else scored more than 20 on this team. Nobody. And here's the crazy thing about this Chiefs defense is they have had some sloppy starts this year. So, uh, for instance, uh, you look at the game against, uh, what's a good game to, to, to pick here? Uh, the Raiders in Las Vegas. Um, the second time they played them, the defense was great. It was the offense that really gave the game away. But in Las Vegas, the Raiders got off to a 14 nothing start against Buffalo. The Bills got off to a 14 nothing start and the Chiefs silenced them essentially the rest of the game. Uh, against the Bengals. The Bengals got off to a 17-7 start, and they looked like they were in complete control of that football game until the Chiefs did something about that. Uh, even in this game against the um, the Baltimore Ravens, uh, allowing a touchdown uh, on the second drive of the game, uh, on that busted play, Leo Chanel misses a sack, and Zay Flowers finds a... Uh, or I'm sorry, uh, Lamar Jackson finds a wide-open Zay Flowers with Nick Bolton in coverage, which is uh, not really ideal, but that's just the way... That play happened. So this defense, um, yeah, I mean, that hasn't been perfect, but you can hardly look at this defense and say, yeah, they did a lot of bad things to put this team in position to lose. Um, the Packers game might be their worst game of the year. And I would argue that the Chiefs offense did not do them any favors when they were getting field goals a lot in the first half while the Packers were scoring touchdowns. And that was a difference maker in that football game. So uh, Chiefs offense definitely has played better. Is it perfect? No. I mean, they just came off a half where they didn't score a single point. But this is a Chiefs team offensively playing better. And overall, as a team, they're dangerous. Patrick Mahomes said something after, I think it was the Miami uh, Dolphins game in Germany. He said that he made a promise that this offense would fix things. And that they would pick it up. And once they do that, that this is going to be a dangerous football team. Now, the offense isn't playing as well as it did last year or in 2018 or in any of these other years where we've had Mahomes. But they're playing much better football recently. They just won on the road against the number one uh, defense in terms of points allowed per game. And we heard all week how tough it is to go to M&T Bank Stadium and how big of a deal it was, the, how much uh, ticket prices cost, um, getting ready to face the you know mighty Chiefs with Mahomes. Well, the Chiefs did something about that as well. So here they are, man. Um, they're at this point, and uh, it's been pretty hard for teams to uh, to put a stop to this uh, this Chiefs team. Good to see. Good to see indeed. Uh, I, I mentioned Sky Moore being activated from IR and possibly Jarek McKinnon. You know, maybe there's a chance there, although Reed says it's slim. I do want to touch on Kadarius Tony for a moment because uh, we haven't spent a lot of time talking about this. But Kadarius Tony went on an Instagram live, which was the day of his daughter's birth, also the day of his birthday. So he missed last. Uh, what was it? The 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 travel to Baltimore for that. And he just lashed out talking about how they lied about his injuries. And then recently on his Instagram says that they uh, blew that out of proportion. They only showed a clip of that. He did an interview on NFL Network saying that, you know, he was talking about his time with the Giants. Um, 
you know, I, I don't know like what's going on with Canarius Tony. Like, and again, I'm no parent, but I would imagine on the day of your daughter's birth, you probably have a lot going on. You're probably tired, uh, probably drained mentally, emotionally, uh, physically, all of all of those things. And to want to do an Instagram live when you know you have a lot of listen, Giants fans, they're still on Canarius Tony's case to this day because he was essentially a bust in New York. I just don't know why on of uh, that day of all days you choose to go on an internet broadcast and you know you know you're going to get trolled essentially um and he does a bad job of ignoring it uh I don't know listen I I, I remember uh week 1 uh I was there I was at Arrowhead when he dropped that pass in the second half late in the second half in the game and everyone was shouting F you Tony uh, and I remember on my way back to my car, uh, I'm just looking at all the tweets and everybody wants Tony gone. And I've been defending this kid saying, look, he just had a massive Super Bowl. I had the longest pun return in uh, Super Bowl history and also played a part in um, that, that touchdown catch. Yeah, it was a great play call, but he still did his part in making all of that happen. If it wasn't for his speed. Uh, he probably does not confuse the Eagles defense the way he did. Um, and I think, you know, he's done a lot of great things on this football team. But I'm starting to think, you know, maybe we've we've just seen our, our last um, our last sight of Kadarius Tony in a Chiefs jersey. I don't know if he plays on Sunday or not. I, I would honestly, if I was a betting man, I would bet Sky more plays instead of uh, Kadarius Tony on Sunday. Um, not that I hate KT or anything, but unfortunately, number one, he's been a headache off the field, especially recently. And number two, um, he's just been a liability at this point. He really has sky Moore, Has he been good? No, but has he hurt this team as much? Not really. I mean, Kadarius Tony has actually, you know, in the waning stages of a game has actually hurt you. And I listen, I think it's unfair. Like D Ford, everyone talks about D Ford and how, you know, he was offsides against the Patriots. Um, a lot of people talk about Joseph Osai and he pushed Mahomes out of bounds, even though he had a great year. And that was not the only reason why the Bengals lost that football game. Like people forget there. You know, I, I understand the last five minutes and especially the, the two minute warning, like Everyone always talks about what happens during those late moments in a football game. No one talks about what happens, you know, uh, if a team makes a costly mistake early in a football game. Nobody ever talks about that. Uh, people only talk about the things that happen late in a football game. Uh, but unfortunately for KT, you know, uh, just uh, not coming up in the clutch in the in those late game situations. Yeah, it, it has hurt the Chiefs. And when it happens repeatedly, yeah, you're going to get sent to the doghouse. And that's essentially what's been happening. Um, now, Andy Reid has pushed back and says, you know, the injury report's not a lie. And KT's kind of try. I don't know how much of this is PR, how much of this is really what KT is, is saying, the, the truth. But he's saying, no, he was talking about his time with the Giants. So, uh, look, I don't know. It's just not a good situation to be in PR-wise. And, um, you know, it, it's just one of those situations where, I think if you're Kansas City, you can probably move on from him. Listen, this is Andy Reid's offense. Um, and I know there are retirement rumors and whatnot, but the Chiefs keep pushing back on that. Uh, look, I won't dismiss it, but I don't think it's he's going to retire. 
I think ultimately, regardless who your head coach is, I think you've got to just prepare for moving on from guys like McCole Hardman and Kadarius Toney and start you know, looking at some college draft picks here, some receivers, because there are a lot of great players who we've seen on Saturdays make plays with the football being thrown to them. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, yeah, he's been playing much better lately. I think that's awesome. That's great. Uh, but he is, uh, he, he's costing a lot of money for a guy who didn't really play as well as he should have this year as one of the leaders and starters on this um, wide receiver court. So ultimately, to me, I think um, if you have Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback, and if you have a good offensive line, and I think the Chiefs need to reevaluate those tackles in the offseason, I think you can live by drafting a couple of receivers in the draft this year. Maybe you you get one in the first round. Maybe you don't. Maybe you think a left tackle would be more necessary in the first round. Fine. I'm not opposed to that. Um, But I think if you're the Chiefs, you can go out there. Let's just say hypothetically, they uh, let go of... Let's say they they move on from McCole Hardman, Kadarius Toney, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Maybe they move on from uh, Richie James. I don't know. Uh, maybe, Maybe Justin Watson does not come back. I think you can find a couple of mid-tier wide receivers, guys who just need to be able to catch the football. You don't have to be the fastest player in the NFL. You don't have to be Tyree Kill fast. You can still do some things in this Andy Reid offense as long as you can catch the football. Again, I just mentioned, if you watch college football, you see wide receivers making spectacular plays on Saturdays. If you go out there and draft a couple of wide receivers, again, they don't even have to be in the first round. You can probably you can probably find some good talented players and succeed with them in the future. So yeah, as much as I love Kadarius Tony's skill set, and I'll say the same thing about McCole Hardman, it doesn't mean much if you're dropping passes and you have a you're you're guilty of these turnovers happening. McCole Hardman in the Buffalo game, two touches, two fumbles. Like, come on, man. You can damage teams with your speed. You can't be, you can't be fumbling when you when you have all of that talent. Same thing with KT. You can't let the ball just hit your hands and bounce straight to the to the defender like that. I mean, you let it happen way too many times. So we'll have to see uh, what uh, what the Chiefs want to do with that or receiving core uh, for Sunday and for the future. Matthew's asking. What do you think MVS having a good day Sunday make KC want to keep him? Yeah, that's a really good question. A lot of people have been asking lately if what the Chiefs are doing right now offensively and how much MVS has stepped up. He hasn't been dropping passes lately. That's great. Um, If he, you know, obviously he had that monster game or a monster catch, I should say, against Baltimore when the Chiefs offense was lackluster in the entire second half. What did they do on third down to ice the game, put it away, throw it to Marquez Valdez-Scantling? Now, what if a guy like Marquez Valdez-Scantling has three to four catches for at least 70 yards, maybe even a touchdown to throw in there with it? It's pretty good. Marquez is a very talented guy. I remember when they brought him and Juju Smith-Schuster right around the same time last year. Juju was signed right before the Tyreek trade, and MVS was brought in right after the Tyreek trade. And both guys have good speed. And both guys, especially MVS, 
significantly taller. Now, MVS had those drop issues in Green Bay. They didn't really have them last year, but this year, those drop issues came back, unfortunately. Cost the team a couple of touchdowns, obviously one of them being the big game in, uh, against Philadelphia on Monday night. Um, but if he has a big game, does he come back with that contract? I don't know. Um, the Chiefs have some things they gotta they gotta seriously think about this year um, with the uh, salary cap. Uh, I think you gotta you know Donovan Smith. This might be his final year in the Chiefs uniform, his only year in the Chiefs uniform. So maybe there's a possibility the Chiefs either look at, for a veteran offensive lineman to play left tackle, or they try to they try to find a left tackle in the first round with potentially the 32nd pick this year. So. And listen, let me just say, the, say this about the Chiefs because I'm seeing a lot of, um, it's funny, I, I saw this like three, four weeks ago from Bengals fans, Raiders fans, Broncos fans, oh, well, we have a, a we're ahead of you in the draft and you're going to go, uh, or you're going to go out early. Um, <laughs> uh, well, first of all, if you're in the Super Bowl, probably not a flex that you think it is. Second of all, um, does draft placement really matter anymore? Like, I, who is the most notorious player for not being taken in the first round? Tom Brady. I mean, look at the Chiefs who they've drafted in recent memory. Uh, Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, uh, Travis Kelsey, not recent, but was a third-round pick. Um, Isaiah Pacheco was in the seventh round. Um a lot of guys who the Chiefs have had in recent memory, Legereus Sneed was not a first. I think it was a fourth-round pick. So you have a lot of guys that the Chiefs have done a great job of drafting outside of. Yeah, yeah Bob, great point. Brock Purdy, he's in the Super Bowl right now, and he's Mr. Irrelevant. So you have all of these players. I look at Puka Nakua this year. Um, I can't believe I forgot this guy's name. Rashi Rice was a second-round pick. Uh, so you have a lot of great players you can find outside of the first round. The Chiefs have done an outstanding job under Brett Veach in the draft. Yeah, his first draft sucked, but his focus was trying to get the Chiefs out of the hellhole in the salary cap department that John Dorsey put them in. John Dorsey, great evaluator of talent, really was, but terrible when it came to managing the salary cap. Um, so... John, uh, or excuse me, uh, Brett Veach did that the first couple of years. And then once he was able to put the Chiefs in a good spot, then he started drafting well. And, you, and you've seen it. You've seen it over time. And uh, I, I think ultimately, um, even though the Chiefs are going to be picking either 31st or 32nd in this year's draft, unless they trade, guess what? This Chiefs team can still find talented football players, whether it's with the last pick in the first round or or outside of the first round. And I've already given you the names as proof. Yeah, Joshua mentioned, mentioned Tank Dell. Yeah, good point. So definitely something to uh, to be aware of with this football team. I, I do want to talk about the whole Super Bowl media palooza. I love the Super Bowl media coverage. I really do. Um, I, I, I think one thing I've learned maybe recently is that you, you obviously there are people from all over the, not just the country, the world, who come to the site where the Super Bowl is going to be to cover this event. A lot of these people in the media, they will not go to the game on Sunday, but they are going to be here. Uh, like I love listening to radio row. I'll, I'll just switch channels. Like I'll listen to um, 
the NFL channel on Sirius XM. And then I'll switch over to ESPN and uh, Mad Dog Sports Radio. And everybody's at Radio Row. And then I'll listen to the local station a little bit. I'll listen to A10 and, and you know, all the uh, stuff they do. And obviously, you know, there are a lot of celebrities like John Taffer, who lives in Vegas, uh, the host of Bar Rescue, uh, Dana White, the president of the UFC. He's making the rounds. He obviously lives in Vegas and the UFC being there. I'm sure there are a lot of UFC fighters who are uh, taking advantage of doing the media. I know WWE is doing a WrestleMania media event tomorrow, and I can guarantee you. A lot of the uh, starters that are coming out for that media event, they're going to make themselves available for Radio Row. So I enjoyed listening to all of that. And then I was I lost my train of thought. The thing I, I, I kind of learned recently is you hear um, questions being asked about the running backs coach or about, you know, a guy who maybe has only played a few uh, games for the Chiefs this year, maybe only a few snaps. But, you know, um, Who's the running backs coach for the Chiefs? Um, uh, McCullough, D- Delon McCullough. Um, he was receiving, uh, Andy Reid was asked about him today um, because he had coached high school recently. And so I think there was a reporter from the same city as that high school came out to Super Bowl Media Week to ask about him uh, because of that. So, that's got like the cool part about Super Bowl Media Week. It's not just about Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. It's not just about Mahomes and trying to put his name up there in the GOAT conversation. There are a lot of guys that we don't talk about generally, um, like, uh, like let's say, uh, uh, you know, uh, Rushy Rice, obviously. He went to SMU. So a lot of the people, a lot of the people who cover SMU are probably in Vegas right now trying to write a story about Rashi Rice, which is cool. That's what Super Bowl Media Week is all about. And then you have the comedians, the um, the celebrities who have a microphone, and they go and ask funny questions. They don't care about football. Um, like that Monday night, the Super Bowl Media Night, that's not about football. That is like, th- that is more entertainment than it is sports. Now, unfortunately... Super Bowl media night does come with a few dumbasses who I don't know what story or what angle they're looking for or if they just want TikTok views because, you know, a lot of the media, they're online on social media now. So, for example, Travis Kelsey was asked, who gets a ring first, the 49ers or Taylor Swift? Like that has to be the dumbest question I have ever heard in my entire life. I've heard a lot of dumb questions asked in press conference. I've asked a few uh, dumb questions um, back in my uh, younger days when I uh, was, was in uh, the media room. But to ask dumbass questions like that, I mean, listen, I, I get it. They gave they give a press credential to anyone and everyone for Super Bowl Media Week, but that is just like. Come on, really? Um, I mean, what are you going to do? Like make everyone take an IQ test? You can't. So those kinds of things just happen uh, ultimately. Um, Andy Reid was asked by a reporter from Germany. Imagine this. Somebody from Germany flew all the way to Vegas. And you know how much those Vegas hotel rooms cost, especially this week with the rates being high for the Super Bowl. I don't know if he's paying or or his boss, the media outlet is paying it. He asked Andy Reid what his thoughts were. He started off the question kind of funny, like, oh, hey, uh, you've been coaching a long time and technology has changed over time. Uh, What do you think of the conspiracy theory that Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift are here because they want to endorse Joe Biden and beat the Republicans? 
What what answer did you think Andy Reid was going to give you? Seriously. I mean, I'm sure a lot of these guys do have political stances, but they're not going to say it publicly, especially in a week like this, to create a distraction. No one wants to do that. Um, I know some athletes have certainly spoken their mind with these types of things, but at the end of the day, it's like... Did you? And by the way, it's not like you get a second question uh, because there are hundreds of people in that room. So they try to go to as many people as they can. Did you really think you were going to get some glorious answer for your German newspaper or TV station on this? Like, listen, I know the conspiracy theories are just wild. All the numbers with 13 and Taylor Swift. I mean, we've already gone over that. But my God, man. Um, Come on, at, le- at least be funny about it. I mean, make it at least worth having asked that question, but I don't know, man. Um, I think the Super Bowl media palooza is maybe just a little overdone at times. Um, what question would I have asked had I been given the opportunity? It's a good question. <laughs> um, I think I would have liked to ask Mahomes, what was it like to be named the starting quarterback and then real quickly have your superstar status go from zero to a hundred and make it to the final four of the NFL every year. Um, I'd be very curious, like what kind of an answer he would give, because I still remember the first two games, forget about the week 17 game in Denver, the first two games of the regular season in 2018, Mahomes had, what was it? 10 touchdowns and no interceptions. Everybody went insane for his start. And then I remember his first home game at Arrowhead was against the 49ers, coincidentally, who the Chiefs played this Sunday. Mahomes running around in the pocket and his blockers not giving up. Eric Fisher, um, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, uh, you know, continuing to block. And he found, who was it? Was it Demarcus Robinson or Chris Conley in the corner of the end zone there? I was like, that was my, by the way, my first moment where I was like, okay, we got ourselves a quarterback. The first time where I realized we have a superstar was that Denver game that same year when uh, the Chiefs were down by 10 entering the fourth quarter. Drew Locke, I think it was Drew Locke. It was either Drew Locke or Trevor Simeon misses a wide open player in the end zone to put the game away and possibly score a touchdown. Miss on that and the Chiefs, they, um, they come back and win the football game which was huge. So if I, if I had a chance to talk to um, Mahomes, that would be the one question I would ask. Cause you only get one question with that kind of thing. Oh, the left-handed completion Poof. that. Yeah, that was the game, man. That was the game I was referring to. That was um, against Von Miller of all guys too. Von Miller. Um, Steve, I appreciate the question. I know I, I did touch on some off season, but in terms of the specifics, we'll probably save that for another podcast. Um, cause we've already got a lot of things to, uh, to go over right now. Um, and we just don't have all the time for it. We're already 46 minutes in. We haven't even broken down the game yet. And I got a couple of other stories to get into real quickly. So, um, save that question for, uh, for a future podcast, Steven, definitely, uh, worth talking about, um, as we, um, as we get closer and closer to the game. Um, I do want to get into this story about Eric Bieniemy, who visited the chiefs, um, which again, I, I think is insane that he's not getting any offers for a head coaching job. So Eric Bieniemy, if you guys did not hear, he was 
apparently in one of the team meetings for the Chiefs and spoke to the players. And Mahomes talked about how excited he was about that. Travis Kelsey said everyone in the room was excited uh, seeing him uh, come back and talk to the team. Specifics are not really revealed at this point as to what the enemy said. Um, well, you know what, man? He came back and he spoke to the team. How many drops did the Chiefs have against the Ravens? I think only one, and that was on Richie James. That was Mahomes' first incompletion. Even then, kind of a bad pass from Mahomes, but I don't think that was an accident. I don't think that was a coincidence, by all means. So it was good to see um, to see EB back. Uh, is he going to come back to the Chiefs? I don't know, man. He's obviously been replaced in uh, Washington. He definitely he said hell no to the Raiders job, as did um, Mahomes' college coach. Um, his name escapes my mind right now. Uh, Kingsbury, Cliff Kingsbury. Um, yeah, Dustin saying assistant coach for a position. I don't know. Like that would be a bigger setback for him. Like he's already took, he already took a lateral job, a lateral move as an OC. Now, I mean, I, I guess, you know, do you demote Nagy coming off a Super Bowl appearance? Um, if the Chiefs lose, in embarrassing fashion offensively, then yeah, I guess you could justify that. But um, uh, no, Bob. Uh, so this is a good question. Could they get him for tampering? No, because he did have permission from the commanders at the time. And I'm not familiar with Bienemy's contract. I assumed it was a one-year deal, but yeah. Oh, Charlene asked a really good question. Chiefs Kingdom, how does it feel being the villains? Our players are eating it up. I love it. I lo Obviously, this is a, a shorter distance for the 49ers fans to go out for media night. Um, I don't think it's a fair indication as to how the game is going to go. Um, now, Chiefs Kingdom has been spending a lot of money on merchandise and Super Bowl tickets recently. So I don't know if Chiefs, I mean, Chiefs fans might take a break from this one, especially with tickets being more expensive. San Francisco, yeah, the median average income is much higher than Kansas City. So there's a possibility that this might feel like a third straight road game for the Chiefs. I know statistically it would not count as one, uh, but I think a lot of 49ers fans are expected to be there for the Super Bowl. I loved Monday night, though. Whenever uh, Patrick Mahomes, they were talking to him, he was getting booed. Whenever Brock Purdy, they were talking to him, he was getting a lot of cheers. Chris Jones was uh, riling up the uh, the fans uh, at Allegiant Stadium during media night. Uh, Travis Kelsey, he loved it. I mean, he, 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 he was into it. So that was great to see. I love seeing all of that. So, um, yeah, a lot of you guys want to see EB come back. I, I hope so. I, I mean, I, that'd be nice. If he, if no one else is going to give him a head coaching job, yeah, come back here. But unfortunately, he wants to be a head coach and has to prove himself. The unfortunate part is he has to prove himself away from Kansas City, which I think is stupid. Why are you holding that against the guy? That makes no sense whatsoever. Not, not one bit. So uh, just uh, silly. Uh, this one's a little bit old news, but I haven't had a chance to discuss this on the podcast yet. Zay Flowers was fined almost $11,000 for his taunt against Legereus Sneed. And I posted this in Ravens fans still, like even at this minute, Ravens fans are still commenting on that post. And so many people are commenting, what about Travis Kelsey? He taunted all game long. Folks, catching 11 passes off 11 targets for 116 yards and a touchdown is not taunting. It may feel like taunting. I mean, the Chiefs often certainly taunted the Ravens defense in that first half, but that's not taunting. Travis Kelsey pointing uh, towards the end zone for a first down, which a lot of players do, is not taunting. 
Travis Kelsey getting uh, Justin Tucker's crap and throwing it out of the way is not taunting. You don't want your crap thrown? Well, then put it out of the way because players are trying to warm up. There's no reason for someone's kicking tee to be at the one-yard line, by the way. I don't know anybody who practices field goals from the one-yard line. Maybe little league players, maybe middle school, high school players, but I've never seen an NFL player practice field goals from the one-yard line. And if any of you guys have seen that, show it to me. Show it to me. And I'll uh, delete my social media for that. Joshua has the best comment of the night. I bet you are eating your popcorn on that comment section. I eat my popcorn every single time anybody comments. By the way, have you? Got, let me uh, address something here. Uh, because it's a very small percentage of people. Have you guys noticed that there are some people who troll every single post? And I don't block any of those people. Um, not that I read every single comment, but I, I, you know, I notice a certain pattern from some people. You're not getting blocked by me. I want you to keep commenting. You, you see these, uh, these sponsors here. Um, let's just say, uh, there's more money in the bag based off engagement. Okay. Uh, and you're helping the engagement. So please keep commenting. Please keep calling me names in the comments. There's a reason why you idiots don't get blocked by me or any of the admins. I just had to put that out there. Josh, you fired me up, man. Okay, speaking of uh, getting fired up, let's talk about the game on Sunday. Chiefs 49ers. Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas. I'm going to give you my breakdown, my score prediction. I will give you my top three options. Uh, or uh, What's the better way of saying it? Um, I would say uh, the, the guys who I think are most likely to win MVP. I'll give you that, and I'll give you my name for MVP on Sunday. Weather for this game, sunny with a high of 53 and a low of 34, but no one gives a damn because this is all going to be indoors. By the way, let me just say something quickly about Allegiant Stadium before I forget. I get it. It's the Super Bowl. They're adding more suites. If you guys have been to Allegiant Stadium or if you've just seen pictures, what's really cool is they have um, the torch uh, behind one of the end zones. And it's kind of like a wide open area, too. So you can kind of see the bottom of the torch and the people walking around that area. They're adding a bunch of suites in that area, essentially blocking the torch. Now, listen, I'm a Chiefs fan, so uh, I don't I don't like the Raiders. Uh, spoiler alert. Uh, I, I, I just don't like the Raiders, but I do think that torch is pretty cool. In the short time that stadium has been open, that's a really cool tradition. So I don't know if it's going to be completely blocked or what they're going to do. Um, I don't like it, but hey, I get it. I mean, it's the Super Bowl. Yeah, all these uh, sweets you want to add for the big game and profit off it. I get it. It's almost like the draft in Kansas City. I hated the fact that Union Station was essentially blocked and covered up because that's where the site was. So they had to change the entire venue of that parking lot. But Something had to go, unfortunately, and that was it. Anyway, Jim Nance, Tony Romo, they're going to be announcing this game. Bill Vinovic is going to be the referee for this one. He's been the uh, he's been a referee since 2004. Uh, he was a referee in Super Bowl 54 between the Chiefs and 49ers. So get those conspiracy theories written up while you can. He was also the referee in the Chiefs Bills AFC Championship game. 
He was there for Chiefs-Browns week one in that comeback win in 2021. He was there for Chiefs-Raiders Sunday night football in Allegiant Stadium. Uh, he was also there for the first Chiefs-Bengals AFC Championship game meeting. And he was also there for the Chiefs-Bucks Sunday night football game. It was the last time we saw Brady versus Mahomes. Uh, that was Sunday night in Tampa uh, last year, week four, Sunday night football. So that was the last time Bill Vinovic refereed a Chiefs game. So he'll be refereeing this one for Super Bowl 58. Head coach Kyle Shanahan, obviously the son of, uh, of Mike Shanahan, uh, been with San Francisco since 2019, was Atlanta's offensive coordinator from 2015 and 2016. The Browns OC in 2014 was with the Redskins uh, from 2010 through 2013 with his dad there. Uh, he was also the Texans offensive coordinator from 2008 to 2009. And with the Texans previously, he was a QB coach in 2007 and the wide receivers coach in 2006. So he was um, he was the offensive coordinator for four different teams from 2008 to 2016 before he finally got a head coaching job. Took him some time, uh, but uh, nonetheless, uh, he eventually made his way to being a head coach. One of the better offensive assistants. Yeah, I know a lot of people remember him for uh, how he coached that uh, Super Bowl against the Patriots with the Falcons. Unfortunately, very similar moment when uh, the 49ers were up by 10 against Chiefs four years ago. Not unfortunate for Chiefs fans, but uh, unfortunate for Kyle Shanahan. So this is definitely like a revenge factor for Kyle Shanahan and that entire 49ers team, the guys who were still on that team at the time. Guys like Kyle Juszczyk, um, George Kittle, a um, couple of other guys as well. All right, let's go to the 49ers offense. Uh, so they've got a couple of offensive coordinators, Chris Forrester, Clint Kubiak, who looks like he's going to be on his way to New Orleans after this one. The 49ers offense, uh, they rank in the top six in really everything. Second in total offense, sixth in passing, third in rushing, third in points per game, scoring almost 29 points per game. They're third, uh, or excuse me, fourth in third down offense, converting 47.5% of the time. Kansas City is sixth in that category at 43.6%. The 49ers have attempted the fewest fourth downs this season with 13. So they've had... Uh, the second fewest fourth down conversions with seven. Um, so seven of 14 or um, 13 uh, this year. Uh, they do have the best red zone offense in the NFL. Something Kansas City's defense will definitely be tested by. And keep in mind this Chiefs defense. I didn't mention this earlier when I'm talking about this Chiefs defense is that they ever since that December 10th game. Uh, the starting in that December 10th game against Buffalo, the Chiefs defense has not surrendered more than seven points in the second half of any game. And that is pretty huge coming into the Super Bowl. And this is going to be the deepest offense they will face. Look at turnover differential tied fifth at plus 10 with the Bengals, Cowboys and Texans tied sixth for fewest giveaways uh, with five other other teams at 18. So they do a very good job of taking care of the football. Uh, but that was also the case with uh, with Baltimore last week. Uh, and you saw three turnovers in that game. Brock Purdy, who is fifth in passing yards. Mahomes was right behind him in that category. He had 31 touchdown passes, third in the NFL, 11 interceptions tied with Matthew Stafford and Jordan Love for 10th most was sacked 28 times on the season last week against Detroit as they surged in that comeback win. 20 of 31, I said last week, I meant two weeks ago. 
uh, 20 of 31 for 267 yards, a touchdown, a pick, was sacked twice. He also ran five times for 48 yards. He also ran six times in the Packers playoff game, but only for 14 yards. He was 23 of 39 passing in that one, had a touchdown, no picks in that one. Um, was sacked just once in that football game. Uh, I do want to go to the Week 18 Christmas game. Obviously not a good day for the Chiefs, but not all uh, a good day for the 49ers either, where they got destroyed by the Ravens. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, Brock Purdy in that game, 18 of 32 for 255 yards, no touchdown passes, four interceptions, was sacked twice, and the 49ers lose that game 33-19. to 19. Uh Purdy started the first five games, nine touchdown passes, no picks. And then they go on a three-game losing streak. And they were held to 17 points in all of those losses. To Cleveland, uh, where he had one touchdown, one pick. Against Minnesota, one touchdown, two picks. And against the Bengals, one touchdown, two picks. Uh, So keep this in mind with the 49ers. Because the 49ers have lost four times this year. In the four times they've lost, uh, Brock Purdy had a multi-interception game in three of them. So the 49ers, they're 14-1 and one whenever Purdy has one or no picks. But the 49ers are 0-3 whenever Brock Purdy throws multiple interceptions. Let me read that one more time because that's a huge stat coming into the Super Bowl. The 49ers are 14-1 and one when Brock Purdy has one or no picks, including play, uh, the playoffs, by the way. And uh, but however, the 49ers are 0 3 whenever Purdy has multiple interceptions. So that's a, a big key. I'll give you another key Christian McCaffrey, who led the NFL in rushing yards this year by a wide margin, almost 300 yards ahead of Derrick Henry, who was second in rushing yards this year. Uh, second in uh, rushing touchdowns among all running backs, fourth in total rushing touchdowns, if you include quarterbacks Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts, who each had 15. Uh, 83 first down runs uh, on the season. The next closest was Jalen Hurts with 68. And he had just two fumbles on the year. He also had 67 catches for 564 yards and seven touchdowns. So a very active player, both uh, on the ground and through the air. Uh, I'll never forget. He had uh, f- almost 1,400 yards rushing, um, 15 touchdowns, and 1,005 yards receiving in 2019. So he had 1,400 yards rushing, almost 1,400 yards rushing, and just over 1,000 yards receiving in 2019, his third year in the NFL with the Panthers. So, uh, And you're seeing the 49ers utilize that. Obviously not, not to that length because the 49ers have other weapons, and we'll get into the, to those guys shortly. But um, this, is, uh, this is a very uh, deep offense, and Christian McCaffrey really has added to it. Against Detroit, McCaffrey ran 20 times for 90 yards and a pair of touchdowns. He also had four catches for 42 yards, so well over 100 total yards of receiving. He also had 17 runs for 98 yards against the Packers and had two touchdowns in that one as well. So he's had a pair of rushing touchdowns both playoff games this year. Against the Packers, he had seven catches for 30 yards. Um, by the way, uh, he's had 21 regular season touchdowns this year. 14 of them were rushing, seven were receiving. That ties Raheem Mostert for most touchdowns uh, this year. So, obviously, this is a guy, he is a scoring machine. I already mentioned uh, in the 18 games they've played this year, 16 regular season games, he was inactive for the week 18 game. And then the uh, playoff games, he has scored in every game except for three. 
uh, which is very impressive, especially for a running back, because running backs aren't used uh, like they used to be, you know, 15, 20 years ago. And I think Christian McCaffrey, he has kind of shown that old school style of uh, running back play. Uh, I think Derrick Henry has done that as well, uh, but not to this extent with Christian McCaffrey having as deep as an offense as they, this 49ers offense does remind me a lot of, does remind me a lot of the, uh, the chiefs offense with Dick Vermeil when Trent Green was the quarterback, Priest Holmes, Larry Johnson as your running backs, Tony Gonzalez as your tight end. And then you had some, uh, some, some good receivers there in Eddie Kennison, Johnny Morton, Dante Hall as well. So, uh, I'm just kind of realizing this. This this kind of does um, compare a lot to the um, to the Chiefs from the early 2000s. Didn't really uh, realize that until now. But anyway, back to um, back to Christian McCaffrey because if you stop Christian McCaffrey, the 49ers don't do very well. The 49ers are one in three when Christian McCaffrey is held to. 55 or fewer rushing yards. He had 54 rushing yards against the Bengals. They lost that one. He had 45 rushing yards against the Vikings. They lost that one. And he had 43 rushing yards against the Browns. They lost that one. Now, Christian McCaffrey ran for 51 yards against the Cowboys, but not a big deal because the 49ers blew out the Cowboys in that one. Um, he ha He's had a couple of really good games through the air against the um, Cardinals. He had 100 yards rushing in both games against Cardinals and also more than 70 yards receiving. But that's the Cardinals. That's the Cardinals. So uh, to me, it's like, you know, those are great, but I also think some of his numbers can definitely be um, a little high. And listen, you know, everyone plays bad teams. Uh, whenever you get to this point, you can uh, look at some games where they, where you've done uh, well, very well against uh, like, look at um, Aiden O'Connell. He had, he, well, how many touchdowns did he have against uh, the chargers in that blowout win where they scored 63 points? I think he had four, but look at the rest of his overall body of work. They didn't really do very well that year. So um, in general, you got to stop Christian McCaffrey. Very few teams have been able to do it, but when they do it, the 49ers are in trouble. You take Christian McCaffrey away and you force Brock Purdy to throw, it's going to be a bad night. 49ers are 0-3 when Brock Purdy throws multiple interceptions, and the 49ers are also 1-3 whenever McCaffrey is held to 55 or fewer yards, rushing yards. So those two, you want to know how you beat the 49ers? You can probably guarantee yourself a win by doing at least one of those two things. If you stop Christian McCaffrey, odds are you're probably going to force Purdy to throw a lot. And that's not a good position you want to be in if you're the 49ers. I like the job Purdy has done. I think he's very similar to an Alex Smith type of quarterback. But if you have to rely on him and Christian McCaffrey's not delivering for you, that's going to be a very long day for the 49ers offense. It's going to be a very long night for them. Kyle Juszczyk, very good fullback. Uh, you don't see a lot of fullbacks anymore in the NFL, but um, definitely a guy that uh, has been a big part in Christian McCaffrey's success this season. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, good receiver, seventh in receiving yards, uh, over 1,300, 75 catches, which ties him 31st in the NFL. So he doesn't have as many catches as a lot of number one receivers, but has... He's top 10 in receiving yards, yet he's outside of the top 30 in catches. He's averaging almost 18 yards per catch. 
Only DK Metcalf and Amari Cooper are the only two wide receivers who even come close to his yard per catch average. So whenever they get the ball to Brandon Ayuk, it's a pretty damn good day for him. Ayuk had three catches for 68 yards and one touchdown. However, that was against Detroit. However, um, uh, Purdy missed him five other times. Uh, He also had three catches for 32 yards against the Packers. So he's had six catches, uh, but was also targeted a total of 14 times in the playoffs so far. So the connection between Purdy and uh, Ayuk has not been very good in the postseason so far. Not been uh, not 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 uh, ideal. Ayuk has had seven 100-yard receiving games this year. Uh, Debo Samuel. A lot of people thought he was on his way out, but he chose to stay, and uh, it's been worth it for him. 60 catches, 892 yards, seven touchdowns on the year for him. Uh, he had a monster game against Detroit. Eight catches for 89 yards was more quiet in the Packers game where he just had two for 24 yards. Hasn't had a game of over 50 yards since December 10th against Seattle, where he had seven for 149 yards. And then the week before that against Philly, he had 116 yards and two touchdown catches. Um, he did have two touchdowns uh, for uh, uh, catches against the Cardinals uh, this year as well. Uh, other guys uh, on that receiving court, Joan Jennings, Ray Ray McLeod, who handles a lot of the return duties. And uh, rookie Ronnie Bell, also uh, part of that receiving core. George Kittle, everyone knows about George Kittle. Had the most receiving yards this year for a tight end. 1,020 yards. Not a kind of a setback year for uh, tight ends, but Kittle was the best in terms of receiving yards. Kelsey was second with 984 receiving yards. Uh, Kittle had six touchdowns on the year. Uh, he also had 65 catches, which is 10th among tight ends. So again, uh, with the 49ers, uh, the receivers aren't pass catchers. I should say aren't getting as many catches, but still they find a way to utilize that and uh, get a lot of yards. Um, they've done a really good job with that. Uh, kind of a quiet postseason for Kittle, though. Had two catches for 27 yards last uh, game against Detroit. Four for 81 and a touchdown against the Packers, though. So better game then. He had a three touchdown game against Dallas. I mentioned Dallas. Uh, Christian McCaffrey had a quiet game against the Cowboys. That's because George Kittle went off in that game. Uh, so that's why you didn't see much of um, McCaffrey in that football game. Uh, he also had seven catches for 126 yards in the blowout loss to the Ravens on Christmas. So that was the only bright spot, really, on that 49ers team. Now, this is where I think things get important with that 49ers offensive line. You got Trent Williams, who is amazing. I remember um, when he joined the 49ers in 2020, a lot of people were hoping that the Chiefs would have signed him. Unfortunately, not the case. Four-time All-Pro, three of them first team, 11-time Pro Bowlers since joining, um, since being in the NFL. Uh, left guard Aaron Banks, center Jake Brendall. This is where things get a little interesting. Uh, the right guard, John Feliciano, he's allowed six pressures in two playoff games so far. Colton McKivitz. This might be the most important player on the 49ers roster if you're a Chiefs fan. Colton McKivitz. Let me, uh, by the way, look up his number. I think it's 68. Um... Yeah, 68. So keep an eye on number 68, the right tackle for the... Um, for the 49ers, uh, because that's who George Karloftis is going to be going up against. McKivitz has allowed 47 pressures this year. That is 10th most of offensive linemen. He allowed He's allowed eight pressures in two playoff games so far. That's not very good. That is not. Uh, he's also allowed nine sacks this season. That is tied for fourth most in the NFL. 
think about Orlando Brown last year with the Chiefs or even with the Bengals this year. This is like, I mean, you've got to take advantage of this. The way pa- pass rushers took advantage of Orlando Brown the past couple of years, George Karloftis has to do that against Colton McKivitz. 100%. That's going to be your key to victory if you're Kansas City. And by the way, Chase Daniel put out a very uh, key stat Monday night on NFL Network. Um, Chase Daniel, of course, went to Mizzou, played for the Chiefs for a little bit. He said that the center, right guard, and right tackle for the 49ers altogether, they rank 30th in pressure rate allowed in the NFL. Damn near last in that category. So if you're Chris Jones, you're George Karloftis, you're Mike Dana. I, I saw someone in the chat mention FAU. Step up. You got to have your biggest game tonight or Sunday night, rather. Man, I, I keep thinking of the games today. I want it to be today. Um, so hopefully the Chiefs offense or a defensive line is ready for this. And you know for a fact, Spags is going to send the house on Purdy. Go out there and blitz him. And I'll get into the blitz later on. But for now, let's switch gears and talk about the 49ers defense, Steve Wilkes, the uh, D coordinator, pretty good defense. Eighth in total defense. Casey is second against the pass. Their 14th Casey is fourth in that category against a run. The 49ers are third. Uh, the Chiefs are 18th. And boy, I'll tell you what, uh, even though they have the third best run defense in the NFL this year, Detroit had no issues running the football on this team in the first half. And I kind of wonder if that is something that the Chiefs try to utilize in this game. Because I would imagine uh, McCullough and the entire uh, Chiefs running back room, they probably studied the hell out of that Detroit game, trying to find the holes and figure out why Montgomery and Gibbs were able to have the games they had in the first half, at least. And I'll get into that later on. Nick Bosa, everyone has heard of his name. Ten and a half sacks, the reigning defensive player of the year. Same number of sacks as Chris Jones and George Karloftis. He's also had 16 tackles for a loss. That is tied for 10th most. He's also got a pair of forced fumbles this year. He had two sacks against the Detroit Lions. They didn't have a sack in the last four games. That includes the Packers playoff game. So, um, like I mentioned, reigning defensive player of the year. Also, the defensive rookie of the year in 2019. His first year with the uh, 49ers. Also, the year the uh, 49ers went to the Super Bowl against the Chiefs. Fred Warner, who's having an amazing season as a linebacker, anchoring this defense. 132 tackles, leading the team. Phenomenal run stopper. Great in coverage. Four picks on the season for Werner. So, uh, a guy that... Patrick Mahomes definitely has to be aware of and I'm curious to see how Travis Kelsey does when and if he goes across the middle of the field and uh, crosses paths with uh, with Warner. Uh, definitely going to be interesting to see. Uh, Warner has been a pro bowler and a first team all pro in three of the last four years so very good year for him. He had 13 tackles against Lions which ties him the most he's had in a game this season so Obviously, a very good uh, season uh, for Warner and a good game uh, coming off that NFC title game. Uh, Dre Greenlaw, another good linebacker for them. 120 tackles, one and a half sacks. He did not have a pick all year, but he did pick off Jordan Love twice a few weeks ago in the divisional round. So uh, that was, he also got the game ceiling interception, uh, as you guys remember. Eric Armstrad, really good defensive tackle, 37 QB pressures, ties 12th amongst interior defensive linemen, has five sacks on the season, very good pass rusher. Uh, not a good run stopper, though. 
So I think Trey Smith could have uh, a great game against him, especially when the Chiefs choose to run the football. Uh, did miss a few games this year. Uh, played in 12 of them, though. Uh, he did recover the Jameer Gibbs fumble last week. So Eric Armstrong definitely opp opportunistic of that. Javon Hargrave, seven sacks on the year for him, second on the team in sacks. Uh, and then uh, when you get away from the uh, 49ers uh, front seven guys, you go to their defensive backs. Here's a familiar name, Charvarius Ward, who's taking some heat this uh, this week because he was asked about what it's like to no longer be a chief and be a 49er. And he said that the 49ers are better. Well, um, yeah, I guess you can uh, continue to back that up with a win. So we'll see uh, to Sean Gibson. Uh, uh, Tashawn Gibson Sr., one pick on the season, and then the strong safety Jair Brown has a pair of interceptions this season. Uh, Charbarius Ward, not really the most reliable cornerback in Kansas City, but has played much better since joining the San Francisco 49ers. So, uh, that, and I'm curious to see, you know, with, with Gibson and Brown, who are average cover safeties, uh, Mahomes can definitely take advantage of that if they want to utilize the uh, the passing game. Uh, I think there is a time and place for that, though, and I'll get into that a little later on. Special teams coordinator Brian Schneider. Um, you know, average uh, special teams unit. Uh, the uh, kick returner for Green Bay, Nixon, he actually had a 73-yard kick return against the Four Nanders. It was not, not a touchdown return, but a, a big return nonetheless, so... I'm very curious if, you know, if it's going to be Richie James or if it's going to be McCool Hardman, if they um, want to uh, take a gamble and um, try to run it back uh, on a kick return. I know the Chiefs have not done it often. A lot of kick returns we have not seen this year, but hey, um, it was almost done a couple of weeks ago. So maybe it could be done again. Ray Ray McLeod third, he handles a lot of the return duties. Uh, Debo Samuel, we've seen him do it a little bit, but nothing too special for those guys. Jake Moody, the kicker. 21 of 25 kicking. He had three misses between 30 to 50 yards. He does tie for the seventh longest field goal this season with a 57 yarder. However, in the playoff game against the Packers, he had a 48 yard field goal that was blocked right before halftime. He attempted another 48 yarder against Detroit. That one he missed uh, in the first half. Uh, definitely bad luck whenever he kicks from the 48 yard line. Uh, or not the 48-yard line, but from 48 yards out. Uh, so, um, I don't know. Maybe he can make it 3-for-3 three three against the Chiefs. Punter Mitch Wisniewski, 15th in average punting, 10th in net average. So, you know, average to above average punter. Uh, has allowed just 220 punt return yards. Uh, punters play a big role in that. Tommy Townsend not too far behind him, uh, allowing uh, just 207 yards. So, very close in that uh, in that area. So, that is, ladies and gentlemen, the San Francisco 49ers team in a nutshell. My three keys to winning this football game. Number one, take care of the football. I mentioned earlier in the podcast, and I'll say it again. This is the deepest team the Chiefs will face, both on offense and defense. The Chiefs have not faced a team like the 49ers all year. They face a lot of great players uh, on the season. But in terms of an overall well unit, um, this is by far the best. So taking care of the football is going to be very important. Um, decisions like McCole Hardman running the ball at the one yard line, the jet sweep. No, forget about those things. Keep the ball in Isaiah Pacheco's hands. Clyde Edwards, Alaire, I trust will do some good things as well. He's had a pretty good, he, he's been playing pretty well for the chiefs lately. And I'd like to see him get more opportunities for sure. Uh, speaking of Pacheco and Edwards, Alaire run the damn ball. You want to talk about the 49ers? 
and how they did stopping the run or at least trying to stop the run in the first half a couple of weeks ago, not very good. The 49ers allowed 86 rushing yards in the first quarter against Detroit. And in the first half overall, 148 yards rushing for the Lions. Now, unfortunately for the Lions in the second half, they only ran 34 rushing yards. Not very good. Um, not very good. So they definitely need to be uh, better about that if you're the Chiefs. Because I think the Chiefs can do what Detroit did on the ground. And listen, it's been noted by a lot of people. The Chiefs have been running the ball more lately. You guys have been telling me for years, why does this football team not run the ball? Why does football team avoid that? Well, guess what? You're finally getting your wish. And against San Francisco's left side, you got to take advantage of that. That is that is the side Nick Bosa's on, but that is a side that, you know, you can definitely get a lot of your uh, rushing yards. I know Jawan Taylor has not had the most perfect season, but when you run the ball, you see a lot of good things from Jawan Taylor. So I want to see the Chiefs Utilize the rushing game, control time of possession, and do your best to keep it consistent in the second half because the 49ers adjusted and the Lions collapsed. So you got you to gotta be consistent. I expect the Chiefs to go run heavy in this game. Yeah, I know your quarterback is Mahomes and your tight end is Kelsey. And I think if you run, you're going to open things up. For guys like Kelsey, Rice, MVS, Richie James, possibly Noah Gray, who's been getting involved more lately. I'm very curious to see that. Number three, Blitz Purdy. Remember I mentioned the right tackle, Colton McKivitz? Well, guess what? I'm about to give you some numbers here that uh, if you missed it earlier, you'll definitely like hearing. According to Pro Football Focus, Brock Purdy has thrown 11 touchdowns and seven interceptions went under pressure. Now, the 11 touchdowns ties him for third most, but the seven interceptions, that is fifth most when under pressure among all QBs this year. So the touchdown number is great, um, but Purdy has not faced a defense like the Chiefs defense this year. He just hasn't, and that is a fact. He just hasn't. Um, yeah, you could say the, the, the Ravens defense when Purdy threw four picks in that game, and I think, you know, we know this Chiefs defense is no fluke. So if the Chiefs can mimic what the Ravens did in that Christmas night game, boy, maybe you could get a one-sided football game in this one. I don't think it's going to be a blowout, but I can see the Chiefs trying to mimic what the Ravens did in that Christmas Day game. Go, if you guys get a chance, if you have NFL Plus, go watch that Christmas Day game. If you guys think the week is going by so slow, go turn that game on. Because you will see Brock Purdy make a lot of mistakes against a very good Ravens defense who the Chiefs just went up against. And if the Chiefs, and I, I listen, when it comes to points per game, the Ravens are the best. Chiefs are right behind the Ravens and the 49ers are right behind the Chiefs. But I do think overall, the 49ers are not as good, nowhere near as good as the uh, as the Ravens defense. And I know the Chiefs struggle in that second half. And I pointed that, that out many times this week, in the last two weeks, really. So consistency is going to be key for the Chiefs. And I think that's part of taking care of the football, which was key number one for me. Uh, I did mention 
Brock Purdy, seven picks went under pressure, and that is the fifth most in the NFL this year. And let's go back to Colton McKivitz. He's allowed 47 pressures on the season. That's 10th most in the NFL. He's allowed eight pressures in two playoff games. That's not good. He allowed three in the Detroit game, five in the Packers game. And he just went up against Aiden Hutchinson. So, you know, George Karloftis can feast. Uh, He's allowed nine sacks on the year. That is tied for fourth most in the NFL this season. So Colton McKivitz, you guys remember um, when the Chiefs offensive line was not very good against Tampa Bay in the Super Bowl? Um, yeah, there were a lot of backups in there, but that was what the Bucks did to rattle Mahomes, and it worked. Yeah, Mahomes had receivers drop passes, but still, it worked. So you got to, you, you know, when you look at Mike Remmers and what he did as a right tackle in that game, allowing all those pressures, you got to... You got to give Colton McKivitz the Mike Remmers treatment. If the Chiefs do that, I love Kansas City's chance of winning this football game. I really do. I really do. Uh, I'm going to give you my three top three choices for Super Bowl MVP. Number three, Patrick Mahomes. I love the guy. I think he's on his way to uh, having Brady-like, a Brady-like career, essentially. But I don't think he might. he's going to be the guy who has the best game in this one. I know quarterbacks tend to get all the bias because even in Super Bowl 54, it didn't play great, but they still gave him Super Bowl MVP. I think it should have been Chris Jones or Damian Williams, but I digress. I don't think Patrick Mahomes is going to be the best player in this game for the Chiefs. I just don't. My number two option for MVP, Super Bowl MVP, George Karloftis. Yeah, George Karloftis. Uh, I already mentioned the Connor McGivitz or Colton McGivitz stats. Um, not very good. The amount of pressures he's allowed, the amount of sacks he's allowed, it's a lot. And Karloftis, he had the 12th most hurries among edge rushers this year with 48, and he had 10 and a half sacks. So George Karloftis, man, he's got a good chance to, uh, to go out there and... Uh, Cause some chaos and terrorize Brock Purdy in this one. My number one option for MVP, and I've already put five bucks down on this one. And I also did it for Karloftis as well, so I can uh, increase my odds of uh, getting some money here. But I really love the odds of Isaiah Pacheco to win Super Bowl MVP. The 49ers run defense. Yeah, it's the third best run defense this year in the regular season. The Detroit Lions have a really good offense. I don't think it's as deep as San Francisco, though they have a lot of great players. They got two good running backs. They got um, Sam Laporta, very good tight end, probably the best tight end this year behind Kittle and Kelsey. And then um, Amon Ross St. Brown and a good supporting cast. And they utilized the hell out of that rushing attack. They absolutely did. And what happened? The 49ers allowed 148 yards just on the ground in the first half. 86 of them in the first quarter. But they made adjustments, and the Lions fell flat in the second half, uh, running only 34 uh, rushing yards. So if you're Isaiah Pacheco, you got to have the game of your life, and we all know how he runs. He runs angry. He's not afraid of contact. He will collide with you. 
and he does a pretty damn good job of holding on to the football, and he's got some aggressive defensive players here. So I hope at the end of the day that he can hold on to the football because that'll be key. He got hit hard in the final drive of the Super Bowl when the Chiefs had that game-winning field goal. And, and I said this many times in the offseason. That was Isaiah Pacheco's best play when he got hit so hard and he held on to the football because if he loses that football, Philly wins the Super Bowl. They just do. That's how it ends. But he held on to the ball and helped the Chiefs move down the field and eventually get that game-winning field goal um, at that point. Uh, by the way, you guys are talking about the linebackers in the chat. Um, yeah, Bob's talking about uh, being the key to stopping the run. Yeah, Willie Gay is going to be available in, th in this one. Um, didn't play la last game. I, I keep wanting to say last week, but you guys all know what I mean. Um, Willie Gay didn't play against the Ravens, which, you know, didn't hurt them, ultimately. Thank goodness. Uh, Corey also mentions Drew Tranquil. Yeah, he's uh, he's been playing great this year. Nick Bolton has been slipping a little bit lately. And, uh, you know, he had a really great Super Bowl last year. So I uh, trust that he can recover and play better because and I don't think Nick Bolton has been great against the pass this season. But man, Nick Bolton, Willie Gay, Drew Tranquil against the run. I love it. I really do. I think... Um, I think Purdy could have, or I'm sorry, not Purdy, maybe CMC could have a kind of a 50-50 toss-up game here. Um, this is the best defense the, the 49ers will face. And it's a Super Bowl. So, you know, it, it, it goes without saying. Um, but sometimes you kind of see teams that maybe didn't play as well that, um, that tend to make it here. Chiefs offensively, no, they did not have a great year. But it is Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Isaiah Pacheco, who's been a monster lately. So all of the regular season numbers with the Chiefs, th throw that out the window. Uh, just like how I kind of did with the uh, 49ers rush defense. You play a, a good running back tandem. You allowed 148 yards rushing in the first half. I can't get over that. Isaiah Pacheco has been playing great lately. Clyde Edwards, Alaire hasn't played as much, but whenever he gets an opportunity, Defenses have a very difficult time stopping him. So if the Chiefs can have Pacheco and CEH mimic Montgomery and Gibbs, it's going to be a very good day for the Chiefs. I'm picking the Chiefs to win this one. MVP Isaiah Pacheco, my score, you guys keep asking. I'll give it to you. 31-17 Chiefs. <laughs> That is my Super Bowl prediction. 31-17 Chiefs. Your Super Bowl MVP is Isaiah Pacheco. And if you want to put five bucks on a backup MVP, do it on Karloftis. Trust me. If there was ever a time where you could get a defensive Super Bowl MVP, Karloftis could get it. Maybe Chris Jones. I would lean more towards Karloftis than Jones. But Hey, if you got money to spend, you want to put five bucks through a couple of different players there, Pacheco, Karloftis, maybe Jones, go ahead and do that. Um, Christopher saying MVP, MVS, boy, what a story that he is coming back for $11 million a year for that 11, well, his final year of the contract. That would be worth for him to keep around for sure. All right, guys, it's been a long podcast. It's been a great season. It's the final game breakdown of the year. Thank you guys so much for a great season. The podcast is not going away, though. It's not. We're going to continue it. Uh, reminder, um, actually, I, can, I should probably announce this right now. Um, the reason I did not start the podcast on time, I was um, I was speaking to somebody, 
And we seem to have a date and a time pinned down. Uh, yeah, just moments ago, it's been confirmed. I could show you, but uh, yeah, I don't want to do that. But I do have a Chiefs Hall of Famer. Yes, a Chiefs Hall of Famer is scheduled to come on the podcast Friday evening. Not going to say exactly when, so uh, just uh, keep your phone around. Keep checking the top of the hour. Friday evening, we have a Chiefs Hall of Famer joining the podcast, so stay tuned for that. If you missed the live version of it, it'll be pod- it'll be on the podcast uh, archives uh, right away, so be on the lookout for that. Friday night, we will be doing the Red Friday live chat. It'll be the last Red Friday live chat of the season. We may do them into the... Um, into the offseason, we'll see. So uh, just uh, be aware of that. So right after the podcast, uh, I'll take a little bit of a break, and then we'll do the Red Friday live chat. Uh, and then Sunday morning, I'm not exactly sure what time, probably 9, 10 a.m., I'll be doing a Super Bowl pregame live stream. It'll be uh, it'll be at uh, 9, 9 or 10 a.m. I'm not exactly sure when, just uh, be on the lookout for it. Uh, make sure you're following, you're subscribed, you'll get a notification. And then we will go live at halftime. Not quite sure how long I'll go. I kind of want to watch the halftime show. So we'll uh, we'll do what we can during halftime. And then after the game, um, if the Chiefs win, I'll wait for the trophy presentation to do our post-game podcast. If the Chiefs lose uh, on the uh, rare end of, uh, of the loss, we will... Um, we will uh, go live right away. Uh, I'm a, I won't go anywhere. Unlike a lot of these people who run away when the Chiefs lose, I I, I don't uh, I don't go anywhere when the Chiefs lose. You guys all know that. But I expect the Chiefs to win in this one here. Uh, Jason's asking what's the name of the podcast, The Chiefs Zone. If you just search The Chiefs Zone or search my name on Spotify, Apple, uh, you'll find it. You'll find it. Thank you, Bob. I appreciate it. What are you doing for the Super Bowl home large group somewhere? Yeah, I'll uh, I'll have a group at home. Uh, not too big. Cause I got to focus on the game and whatnot, but, uh, yeah, yeah. I've all, I'm all, I'm already getting materials for the game. I'm excited. I really am Four super bowls in five years. There was a time where I just did not know if I'd ever see a Chiefs super bowl. And now I've seen four in five years. So, um, for all of you who are going to have uh, big parties, whether you're hosting or going have fun, please avoid the politics because that's just going to ruin your Super Bowl experience. So just have fun and enjoy the Chiefs winning this football game. So uh, what are we eating? Joe's Kansas City Barbecue, baby. That is what I'm getting. All right, guys. My name is Farzim Vesugian. Thank you for watching live on Facebook and in YouTube. If you miss any of the live version, check out the podcast. We're on Apple, Spotify, everywhere where you can find your podcast. So check out the Chief Zone. Subscribe on there. Share the links with your friends. All right, guys. I am out. I will talk to you Friday evening. A Chiefs Hall of Famer will be joining the podcast. And then we'll do the Red Friday live chat shortly after that. I'm out. Peace.